This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Narcissist Apocalypse Podcast, a show that gives a voice to narcissistic abuse survivors. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thank you for showing up this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Generally speaking, a narcissist is a person who has an excessive sense of how important they are. They demand and expect to be admired and praised by others and are limited in the capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. And guess what? Not all our narcissists are made equal. Yes, that's true. Narcissism is a character trait that exists on a spectrum. A small amount of narcissism is healthy, and a person with an unhealthy level of narcissism may be called a narcissist. At extreme levels, it may be diagnosed as narcissistic personality disorder. However, for the purposes of this podcast, a narcissist is a person who exhibits narcissistic traits and or a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors, regardless of whether they meet the diagnostic criterion in the latest version of the DSM manual or have a formal diagnosis. So a person may be referred to as a narcissist on this podcast, even if it is more likely they have another cluster B personality disorder, such as borderline, histrionic, or antisocial personality disorder, so as long as they exhibit narcissistic traits or behaviors. And now, with all of that out of the way, let me tell you that we have a narcissist abuse survivor named Sonny on this episode. But before we get to that interview, I just want to thank everyone for listening to the show and emailing me all those nice things you've been emailing me. So it means a lot to me, doing the show is being quite the blessing. So thanks to all of you out there for sending me nice notes. And if you haven't left us a review yet... Uh, on whatever podcast service you use, if it's Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., leave us a five-star review. It helps out the show a lot. You know, say some nice things about us on there, too. Also, if you want to be on the show, you can always reach out at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Just drop us a line, and we'll start communicating with you. We'll do like a back and forth, some interviewing. Uh, we have a, a longer vetting process these days. Uh, so if you if you want also if you want to read a letter uh, to your narcissist uh, on our show, we have a voicemail recorder on our website to record. Go to narcissistapocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page and it's always floating around. It's hard to miss. We're accumulating these letters to have a volume two of our letters to a narcissist episode. And because we don't have enough of these yet, uh, I can't hang out with Melissa. However, there's a second part to that soon. Uh, we're, we're recording a special pop culture episode next weekend. Uh, it'll be a watch-along episode. What does that mean? At first, we're going to watch the movie uh, Forest. We were going to watch the movie The Notebook. But what happened was Netflix 
took it actually down today. So we started to realize what else is out there that we can discuss that has to do with narcissism. And we came up with Forrest Gump, and we're going to discuss the relationship between Forrest and Jenny. Will we be pro-Jenny or anti-Jenny? Who knows? But one thing we do know that we, we will both agree on is Forrest Gump really got the short end of the stick on that one. What else is going on? Well, we started to build our new website, and well, I guess the ground is going to be unearthed on, on Tuesday of our building. And part of that site will have a fully niche directory for PhD psychologists and psychiatrists, social workers who have a, a master's of social work, uh, licensed therapists who have gone through narcissistic abuse themselves, uh, lawyers and mediators with experience in this field, uh, everyone who has experience with relationship and childhood narcissistic abuse. Uh, in, you know, in my experience, when going through Psychology Today or Good Therapy Directory, uh, to find help for many of you out there. It, it really wasn't easy to weed through all of the profiles to try and find the right therapists or, or lawyers or mediators that you need. So uh, we decided here that the best thing to do is to create our own directory to make it easier for everyone to find the help they need and hopefully will be a place that can, can facilitate everything like that for you. So if you're professional... Like one of the ones I have mentioned already, and you're a listener to the show and you want to be one of the first people on the, on the directory, shoot me an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and we can discuss that further. Uh, another thing that we're going to be doing soon is fundraising. Sometimes we have folks on this show that need extra help in their healing process and need proper trauma therapy, but can't afford it. Uh, so we want to help everyone uh, once our site is built. So we'll be able to fully focus on getting that started as well once everything is built. And I'm pretty excited about that little venture. And besides that, socially, I chit-chatted and got to know a couple of you out there this week. So a big shout-out to them. And also a big shout-out to Elizabeth, who was once on our show, just for being you this week. And you know why. So a big shout out to Elizabeth, and I'm sending you a big virtual hug. And now I am going to get out of my own way. Here is my interview with Sonny, and I'll check back with you all when it's over. And we are here today with Sonny. Thank you for coming on the show today, Sonny. Hi. Glad to be here. So now I am just going to get out of your way, and I'm going to give you the floor to tell your story. And thank you once again for being on the show. Okay, so um, I met these two guys a, a few years ago, uh, about four now. Um, I met them through um, a friend of mine that I met in college, and he had introduced me to um, the first, the first guy, uh, his name, I think we call him Andrew, because it gets a little confusing if you don't have a name. Yeah, so what, were you, what are we uh, so, going to call him? Yeah. Uh, we're going to call him, we'll call him Andy. Andy, like, okay. Kind of yeah, because he doesn't like that name, so. <laughs> so good. Uh, so, yeah, Andy, and he had this friend, um, well, you know, I'm just, is, is it okay? It's a really common name. Is it, is it okay if I, like, use his real name? Um... <laughs> try, just try and come up with something real. Like, let's call him Phil. Bill. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bill's actually a really good. Yeah. Bill. Okay. Bill. Like we'll, yeah. We'll call him Bill okay. or William. How about that? <laughs> uh, which one do you like? Willie? So, do you like William? <laughs> William. Yeah. Okay, I think okay. the formal name. 
Yes, yes. All right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Andy and uh, William, um, he, they were really good friends for a really long time. And so I met Andy first, and then he introduced uh, William to, um, to me and a couple other people that I was also friends with. And, um, you know, we all kind of got along right away. Like, um, you know, we would hang out. You know, it just smoked weed because that's what we do out here in California. And um, then, you know, we'd go out to bars because I was 21, finally. So, um, you know, we would just hang out. And I got to know them really well. Um, and then uh, eventually, like, with Andy, things kind of turned into, like, a more, um, you know, sexual relationship. We were kind of just hanging out, I guess, what you would call friends with benefits. Like, I wasn't really interested in, like, really, like, dating anybody. But, you know, it was kind of fun. And there was a lot of just, like, drama that came up with it. And um, for a really long time before I met them, like, I didn't really go out of my house a lot. I didn't have a lot of, like, friends. Like, my friends were starting to move away and stuff. And so I was just more focused on school than I met these people. And so it was like, oh, my God, I leave my house, and now I have drama. (laughs) And um, so they, I would hang out with him a lot, and it just was, just always like a bad feeling like the whole time like you know I just felt heavy and sad and depressed and um he'd argue with me a lot and you know a lot of just like typical abuse tactics gaslighting and stuff like that and um you know so I just felt so so confused and then he would stop talking to me and I didn't talk to him for a really long time and that kind of happens intermittently um, we just, we don't talk for a long time. And then all of a sudden he pops up out of nowhere and who brings me back in. Um, so in the time that I get to know Andy, um, I also get to know William and, you know, I, I, I end up really liking William and, um, that made Andy really jealous and, um, he stopped talking to me because of that. So it was. Oh, it's just so frustrating. Sorry. I'm just like reliving every like moment now. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is just a lot of, um, just tension and like just static. Like that's kind of how it feels. It's just like a bunch of just like static that just like drives you up a wall. Um, so I, I get to know, I just, I start like having all of these really interesting, just, really intense feelings for William. And I'm like, you know, always talking to him, like really hoping that he'll text me, call me. And, um, just like, it was always just so off and on, like hot and cold. And, um, I didn't understand it. And I thought, well, maybe he's just busy. Maybe he just like, you know, has other things to do. And I was like, I, I'm not, um, I'm not entitled to anybody's time, you know? And, so eventually I, I got ballsy and, um, I, I just said, Hey, like, I really like kind of like you and I would be really interested in like, you know, hanging out more and stuff. And, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally like flailing here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Take your time. Take your time. Because like, I mean, I did forget like an important part. Um, so just to back up, um, okay. when it, when Andy found out that I did like his friend, um, he got, like I said, really upset. And he tells me that, um, that William will, 
will hit me, that he will hurt me, that he will abuse me. And uh, I didn't really know what to feel and believe because with Andy, it was constantly like, you know, I was being manipulated constantly. Like he was, he's really good at manipulating people. Um, he's very quiet about it. And I remember one time I actually, like when I found out about what gaslighting was, it was because of just an argument that we had gotten into. And I felt so like confused. I was, I was quote unquote lying a lot to him. Um, and I was always being accused of a liar. And I was like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And so I, I just looked up some YouTube videos. And I, thought, I found some that were about gaslighting. And I was like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. And, um, you know, so I wasn't too sure if I could believe what he was saying. Um, you know, like, is this another manipulation tactic on his part? Like, you know, and I felt like because our arguments were always so long and drawn out, I was just ran in circles and, and just ran into the ground. So, so just for, um, for, one, for, for one second, I interrupt yeah. for everyone listening. If they didn't uh, understand anything that was uh, just said, because <laughs> we went back in the story, uh, Andy, who is the original uh, person you were talking about, is a gaslighter. Uh, is uh, is not the most mature person here in a relationship, and he's now told a story about the actual person that you do like, who is William, and he's told you that he is actually uh, f- uh, physically abuses women, and you don't know whether to believe him. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Got it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I was again like just super confused and unsure and he was telling me that I needed to he's like well if you want to like continue like hanging out and you know we didn't we weren't in, like in an actual relationship so he's like but if you want to keep doing this like don't talk to him you should block his number and I did for a couple weeks and um then I was like what am I doing why am I why am I listening to this person like this is this isn't okay so I did end up, um, um, I did end up blocking his, num- unblocking his number. Um, and I, you know, just, I started talking to William again. And, um, so I, and at that time I had stopped talking to Andy, um, completely and, I uh, had no intention of ever really talking to him again. Um, and so then it, it was almost about a year, uh, before I finally then get, like, I had said something to William, like, hey, I like you. Um, and so it, it, it started to move really fast, like, when I finally did say something. And um, at first he said that he wasn't interested in, like, a committed relationship or anything like that. And um, I really didn't know what I was interested in either. I just really wanted to get to know this person on a different level. Um, which is really important to the story, um, a little bit later. So I, I realized like, again, like it's moving really fast. And one day we're talking and I mentioned something kind of about like something that happened with me and Andy that, you know, it was kind of like, I don't talk to him or kind of like why I don't talk to him anymore or something like I thought, you know, like they, and to add context, like these two guys have known each other for a really long time. They uh, met when they were 11. They're now uh, 27. So, uh, you know, they are longtime friends. Um, and 
so I thought, you know, like it was weird that they weren't really talking at all. Like they hadn't talked in probably about a year at this point also. And, um, uh, he, he gets really upset because then he asked me if I had, you know, like, you know, a sexual relationship with him. And I like, why was, I had no reason to lie. Um, you know, and I was just like, yeah, I did. And, um, and that's when all of the abuse started and it was horrible with constant arguments. Um, constant, like, I'm going to break up with you, um, you know, and then going back on his word or like, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to keep you here if you keep wanting to break up with me. Like, you know, I'm not going to do this to myself. And then I would end up getting manipulated back into the situation and, um, you know, kind of go back into that cycle of like having like maybe a couple good hours, not even like I, he couldn't even give me a couple, a couple of days or even a week of like, you know, decent behavior. Like it was nearly 24 seven, like awful, awful, awful. Um, he was always over at my house. Um, I have a male roommate, um, and who's a really, really good friend of mine and, um, somebody who I absolutely respect. Um, I feel extremely, you know, safe around, like, you know, I really value this person. And, um, that constantly made him jealous, uh, always just like, you know, he never was upfront about that because he would always, um, kind of, um, triangulate the situation with, um, Andy because he's like, you did this and you did that. And it was like, but then there were times that he would bring my roommate into it. And, um, you know, he, that's why he would always like want to stay the night at my house. And, you know, my roommate would get frustrated and I mean, rightfully so, um, I would too. And I, I would try my best to like, you know, say like, okay, hey, let's stay at your house. Like, let's do this. Um, you know, like, let's stay out of the house because, you know, my roommate, he he needed his space, like, and I'm not going to do that to him. I forget the value of person. And um, it just made him so jealous. And I remember one time we got into this argument um, because uh, my roommate wanted to talk to me about something that was about my, my boyfriend at the time. Um, and he also was upset that I hadn't done dishes. And, you know, I was like, okay, okay, I am really sorry about that. Like, you know, we had, you know, just like an, a friendly discussion about like, you know, hey, you're not holding up your end in the house. Like, hey, you need to do that. And so um, I was like, all right, you know, we'll talk more later. Like, you know. And when I came out of my, uh, out of like the hall, my boyfriend was like, why don't you talk to me like that? Like, why can't we have arguments like that? Like, and he was, you know, putting it on me, gaslighting me and telling me that like, I was the problem in the relationship. And I was just so, just so floored, so angry. And, um, and to back up a little bit too, there were times where when, um, there, there was a, a point where Andy was really jealous of my roommate. My roommate and I were still just like friends at the time. We didn't live together, but he would like, be weird about him too. And so that was like kind of like a red flag for me. Um, and just so everybody knows, like my relationship only lasted three months. Like it was three months of just consistent everyday 
anger, like enrage and argument. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it just was just like red flag, red flag, red flag. And I felt like I couldn't really like, like I had like this armful of red flags that I just like kept trying to pick up. And that's why I was so stuck in this relationship in a way that was just like constantly throwing things at me that were confusing. Um, but things would get really bad. Like, he would scream at me. He would verbally abuse me. Um, he would, it, there were times where um, he would tell me that I was a bad girlfriend. Um, he called me a slut a few times. Um, he, he definitely used the word bitch on me a few times. Um, for his birthday, uh, we went to Vegas and we had a really big blowout fight um, on the day of his birthday. Um, he followed me around the house the whole time, just like staring at me, um, just like building with anger. I remember I woke up and I walked downstairs and uh, his parents owned a, a house out in Vegas. And so we, that's where we went. And I just remember walking down the stairs and I see him drinking a beer at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And I just like knew that this was not going to be a good day. Like this was a fuck day. Like it's bad. And I tried to take a shower um, and he got mad at me because I was like getting ready on my own. And um, I'm a only child. And I can sit in silence for a very long time. And I can, I do things just by myself. So um, I just was like, I'm not doing anything different. Like, why am I disrupting, like, myself? Like, I, what, what is wrong with me? Like, is there something wrong with me that I can't do this? Like, am I supposed to, you know, constantly, like, do things with you? So, um, so at, w- at he, what point you're in this relationship for three months in total? Yeah. Yeah. A- and, like August and so December. And um, at what point, w- what happened uh, that eventually made you leave it completely? Um, so it was, again, that cycle of, like, you know, good and bad. And the, the constant promises of, like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. Like, I'll be better for you. Um, I just, I finally had it. I was, I was tired. Um, you know, I was, I didn't want to, I was scared of him. I mean, I was scared of him. So I just kept thinking about the fact that like, I didn't, I had not only myself to worry about, but I did have a roommate who lived with me and I couldn't put either of us in a, you know, an unsafe situation. Um, you know, and when I, and when Andy told me about what kind of person, uh, William was, he also told me that there were times where he would threaten suicide with his girlfriend, that you know, he's going to kill himself if they broke up with him. And so I was also kind of like afraid of that happening, um, you know, and 
it, it's also really hard to feel kind of like um, like innocent or like like I'm not to blame a little bit because like I knew this before, um, but like also I sh- I tell myself constantly like I didn't cause this like you know I didn't know what to think. Um, so one, I'm sorry, I was having like a moment of self doubt. <laughs> oh, uh, so once you were once it's over in your process in your mind. Uh, was it like a sense of relief that you had or were you just, were you confused? What, what happened in the aftermath for you? Oh, it was absolutely a sense of relief. Um, I was calling domestic violence, um, like hotlines. I was chatting online. Um, I just want, you know, if there's women right now that are listening and are in abusive relationships or were, um, please utilize the DV hotlines. Like, you know, you can chat online or call. And I mean, it, it helps so much like it just it helped um and so I was you know kind of doing like a little bit of work like on myself before I exited the relationship and so I definitely felt more like relief I felt like I cried um all that I could possibly cry I felt you know as horrible as I possibly could and so um I I remember I called him I didn't I did not break up with him in person. I couldn't do that because I knew what would happen if I did. Um, I called him. I told him that this was um, done. I'm not doing this. He tried to give me, you know, long, like, monologues about why he's so, like, traumatized and, like, his wife so bad and whatever. Um, And then he actually drove down to my house. um, Like, and I was like, I did not ask you to come to me. I did not ask you to come here. Uh, this is not okay. Please do not come to my door. Um, I will not be okay with that. And like, as I was saying that I was actually going around locking my doors. Um, my roommate sat in the living room. Um, as I did this, like I, you know, he sat there for moral support. Like I was just like freaked out that he was going to do that, especially when he drove down to my house, uh, at that point. And so, I, I told him that he needed to get his stuff, and he had a couple things actually in my car. I unlocked it. He grabbed them out. I left some stuff on the porch, and he left, and I haven't heard from him since. He, um, the last thing that he said to me was, do you hate me? And I don't. Um, and, I, and I genuinely was like, no, I don't hate you. Um, I don't believe that I have to forgive him, but um, I, I don't hate him. And, you know, that was, that was definitely kind of like a really freeing moment. And I think because I had done that work, um, before exiting the relationship that I was able to like safely or not safely, but, um, you know, just come to that, to that moment and be able to genuinely say that in the moment. Like I still have moments where I'm angry and I'm mad at him. Um, but I never, I never hate him. I have a question for you. Yeah. And it's something you brought up before um, we turned the recorder on. And that was something mm-hmm. you said about um, that maybe you know why you found yourself in this situation uh, to begin with, that this situation might have been, you were drawn to the situation possibly based upon how you were raised. Yes. So can, yes, you, explain, can you explain that uh, to me? And let's, uh, let's talk about your childhood. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely do want to dive into that because yeah. Um, it's yeah, it definitely ties really well back into this whole thing. Um, so I 
um, I grew up in a household in a, in a broken home. Um, like technically. Um, so my mom, um, she had me when she was, uh, 17. Um, she did it all on her own. Um, my grand, my grandparents are very, very narcissistic. Um, and my dad was a drug addict. He, um, would steal cars. And so he kind of just left my life. And the best thing that my mom ever did for me, um, was tell my dad that he was not allowed to see me. Um, and he was abusive. He would, um, physically abuse my mom. Um, my grandpa, uh, can be very, um, physically abusive. He wasn't, um, abusive physically with my grandmother, but he was with, um, the kids. He was with me and my cousins. And, um, again, some context, uh, I grew up in, I was, like I said, I was an only child, but I grew up in a household where I was, watched over with my cousins a lot. So we kind of formed more of a, um, like sisterly bond. We're all girls and we all started to kind of align ourselves like to like, just according to our birth order. And also I can see where, um, I was sometimes the golden child. My cousin was sometimes the golden child. Like we had that kind of dynamic because we were always so, um, put together with each other. So, um, I, my aunt, uh, my, one of my cousin's moms, um, she was in a relationship with someone who was very abusive. Um, I mean, extremely physically abusive. Um, my uncle, he was abusive with us too. Um, me and my cousins, um, he dislocated one of my cousin's arms one time and that wasn't his daughter. Um, he was horrible, horrible, horrible person and was so angry all the time and, and would yell. And, um, what's so crazy, Chad, is that, um, sometimes when, uh, William would get so angry and scream and yell at me, he sounded exactly like my uncle, like exactly like same cadence in his voice, the same, like just tone and everything. It was like, it was, it was insane how like, it was my uncle and um I mean pretty much every woman in my family has been physically abused um my grandpa uh when I was on this uh, I went on a trip with him and uh, we were out visiting uh, my uncle um my mom's uh, oldest brother uh, and he is also physically abusive with, um, his wife and the women that he dates, um, and his children. Um, and I, I remember there was this one day where, uh, we were all getting ready for bed and, um, my grandpa was showing me something on a map and, uh, my little cousin, um, my uncle has two young kids, um, and she comes up and she's just being a seven-year-old, kind of, you know, poking at the map, talking to us. Um, and my grandpa gets really mad and smacks her hand and, like, tells her to, like, get away. And I had all of these emotions come rushing up. And I got really, really scared, really, really sad, really, really angry. And I yelled at him and I told him that he cannot put his hands on her like that. I'm like, it is not okay that it just do not do that. And it, of course, like, you know, he got mad at me, told me that I, you know, 
shouldn't disrespect him kind of thing. And it was, it was just so frustrating, but I was like, oh my gosh, these subtle acts of violence, um, like that occurred in my life growing up, like taught me it was okay. And I didn't even realize that there were times where I was being physically abused, um, by William. Like it was, um, you know, very, again, very subtle, very subtle acts of violence. Um, there was one time that he pushed me down and, um, he kind of like pinned me there for a moment and he's very strong. He, um, was very athletic. So he worked out, um, and so he had a lot of strength and, um, he would push me sometimes if like, he didn't want me to come near him. Like if I came up and hugged him, he'd push me away. Um, he, he hit me with a door during that fight. Um, that really big argument that we had, um, he, I tried to come back in the house to get my stuff because he told me I had to leave and I had to go home. Luckily, I drove there, and I should have just left. I should have just left him there, but I I didn't. And I kind of regret that, but also I'm not trying to regret anything. Um, And I walk back in the house, and I see him hesitate. And I see him look at me, and I'm like, what is he going to do? And he kind of, he doesn't do it hard, but he pushes the door, and it hits me. And I'm like, I can't believe that you just did that. And then he did it a second time. Like, he did it, like, twice in a row. Like, as I, like, tried to walk back in, he, like, hit me with the door again. And I was absolutely afraid of him from then on. Absolutely afraid. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm, I'm falling into the same pattern that my that the women in my family have, my female role models have. And, you know, I'm starting to um, date the men in my life. So, so <laughs> where are your cousins in all of this? And where are they now? Um, did you discuss um, any of this with them? And are they falling into the same traps that you did and their parents did? Absolutely. <laughs> Not to answer that real quick, but yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, I'm the oldest, um, and um, I, I have a cousin who's a year younger than me, um, and she grew up as an only child as well. So her and I were really close. Um, and she moved to Oklahoma when we were kids, um, so she lives in a different state than I do. Um, and she hasn't been back since. She'll come back for uh, summers and stuff. She'll visit periodically here and there, much less now that we're older. Um, but she definitely um, is uh, having problems. Um, I would definitely say she's the runner of the family. Um, if I had to put a term to it, I kind of was like reading a little bit about like there's the runner, the rebel, like after, like kind of, I guess, it, who you turn into after the abuse when you're older. Mm-hmm. Um, like the dysfunctional I, I family channels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm the rebel. Like I, I've always been the first one to be like, you suck. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my cousin, she's definitely got a long way to go. And her, and her mom is, um, very, very narcissistic and, and has caused a lot of problems for me. Um, also, so I can, I can see why she's in that position. Um, my, I have a cousin who's two years younger, um, and she's a wonderful person. She lives out in Texas now. 
Um, she's still about here. And yeah, she ended up in a pretty gnarly relationship. She, she had a guy pull the, the suicide card on her. Mm-hmm. Um, she now has a boyfriend who's a really wonderful person. I absolutely um, am so happy for her. Uh, they came to visit uh, shortly, actually, like right when I started dating um, my ex. And uh, I had a really good time with them. And it was my first time meeting her boyfriend. And I was I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like she's, you know, she's got, got some work to do too. She's, she's, um, I'd say she's angry. (laughs) She's definitely angry and she's definitely the rebel like I am. But you guys Um, are all open about what happened and you talk about it and how screwed up it was and you're a good support group for each other. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And I, and I do have actually one more cousin side. There's four of us and there was, uh, she's five years younger than me. So she's definitely, like, it's harder to get to her sometimes, and I, I don't think she's, like, ready to see it because um, my cousin who's two years under, that's her older sister, um, and their dad was the one who was extremely abusive. Um, and he still, you know, obviously continues to be. And so um, I know she's pretty traumatized in that respect, and... Um, it, it is hard to talk to her. It is. And I wish I could, cause I feel for her. There was this one time when we were kids, my grandpa um, was really angry with us. And he was, he hit us. He picked up my cousin kind of threw her to the ground. Um, it caused, it was, it was really traumatizing. And, um, you know, I, I called her one day crying about it and I was like, you know, be, I'm like, I, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know if you remember this and I don't mean to bring up bad memories. I'm like, but it hurt. Like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I, I tried to protect you. I tried, I tried. And you know, it, it hurts. Like, you know, knowing that that was something that happened to us. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, it caused us some, some difficulties in life, but we're all pretty close. Cool. What's your relationship like with, uh, all the older people in your family? Um, okay, so my grandpa and I, actually, we live together. He's um, He kind of moves around a lot, so right now he's staying with me and my roommate. Um, we live in his house, actually. Oh, so um, you actually live with your grandfather? I do, yes. Explain this. Tell me, like, how does this work? Okay. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it's hard. It's really difficult for both of us. I mean, um, my my roommate kind of, like, has always had older people in his life. So he kind of knows how to put up with like people, you know, older people and their like stubbornness. Um, and my, yeah, my grandpa just has no sense of boundaries. <laughs> um, he just doesn't care at all about anything. And he, uh, he starts arguments with me. He yells at me. He will, he will call me names occasionally. He will, I mean, it's, it's really hard. And it's, you know, cause right now I'm not in a position where I can, um, get out. I, I am a little bit reliant and I am thankful for the help, but also it gets thrown in my face a lot. And so, um, you know, I've been working on how I respond because that's what I can control. Um, it's, so it is tough because, um, we're also selling the house. We're in the middle of selling this house, which actually is a very wonderful thing. And I'm very excited to be selling this house because everything, um, every bit of abuse has happened under this roof. Um, I mean, I walk by this spot where, you know, this incident with my grandpa and my cousin happened. Like, you know, I'm, I sleep in the same, I mean, I, this is the first house that I ever lived in. And so it's really free. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. 
Um, so that's what that's what's keeping me going. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see this part of the story. Uh, I did not see this going this way at all. So you uh, selling yeah. that, selling that house. You like when you get out of that house. Do you think you'll be able, like, because it sounds already like you know what's going on. You're able to deal with everything. You're able to keep, you know, this person at bay, even though they do affect your life in kind of, you know, uh, a negative way. Uh, but you're still dealing with them. And like I thought you were going to say that maybe your grandfather passed away. I did not expect this. Um, yeah, uh, I so, know. He's very much alive. So, so when you... Uh, are able once you're you're out of that, um, you know. Do, do you think you've done healing yet, or is that when you're going to be able to really do some sort of healing process and be able to move on with your life? Do you think you're stagnant right now in any sort of way? Um, I think I'm stagnant, but not in a bad way. I think more I'm kind of like I like to think of it as like a um, like. And in between, like I'm, I'm deciding, you know, where to go. I'm saving money. Um, I'm, you know, kind of like throwing old things away. I'm taking this opportunity to like take stock and, you know, really figure out what I, you know, find myself a little bit in it all. Um, you know, I started a new job uh, recently. I was actually unemployed through um, all of the relationship. I uh, started working back in May. Um, I was unemployed from August to May. Um, and so I had some time to like, um, unwind a little bit and like be by myself and lay in bed for days on end. Um, so I feel like when, once I'm free of this situation, um, I'm just going to feel a lot more relief. And where's your Um, mom? Yeah. Um, so my mom, she's like two miles from my house. Uh, she, I used to live with her and she actually did kick me out at one point. Um, and that's when I moved back here with my grandpa. Um, and it's, it's a tough relationship. It's, it's hard sometimes because she definitely, um, I actually made notes about this. Um, she, it's hard to get sympathy out of her sometimes. She has not really been present through my healing process. Um, like she's been there in some ways, but also like, when I try to talk to her about what happened with, um, with my, with my ex-boyfriend, like, you know, I of course wanted to tell her pretty much everything because, you know, like I said, it was physically abusive. It was emotionally abusive and it was also sexually abusive. And, um, you know, that was, that was such a hard, hard thing to like really like deal with and move on from. And, um, I would try to talk to her about it and I would get shut out. And, um, it was, it's so hard to like, not have that ability to like talk to my mom about this thing. And I think it has something to do with the fact that it means that she has to unpack her own trauma, that she's not ready to unpack. You're, you're a smart cookie. Uh, <laughs> you, you really are. You're, 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 you're I smart. That. I mean, yeah. you know, you're very good. A lot, you know, a lot of people would like, uh, including me, you get angry, you get angry at a lot of things and you're early, uh, you're, you are, you empathize very well with what everyone else is going through. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that's like, it's a blessing and probably a curse for you. I'm going to assume. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can just walk into a house and know like what kind of mood, um, somebody is in. Like I can just feel their energies and, um, I'm really good at just listening and picking up on context clues. Like, um, 
I, I used to have this coworker who, um, he was, he was a drinker and, um, you know, just kind of like, just, just not an okay guy. And he needed just some help. And, um, I, there were just certain stories here and there and I was like, Oh, it makes sense. And then I would have like other coworkers, like, you know, that was like, Oh, he, like, he drinks and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, he probably shouldn't be drinking on the job, but also like, ask yourself like what kind of trauma is causing this like I've also been a receptionist for a very long time and I just people who get angry and yell at me like I always know that they're mad about something else but this is who they can yell at you know um you know so it's just like I try to I try to put pieces together as best as I possibly can and not make a judgment call but just make an understanding just kind of I don't like in a weird way to like put myself at someone's level, but also not, not stoop to the level, like just understand it. Uh, what kind of work do you want to get into? You know, that's really hard. Um, I, I've been thinking about a lot of different things because, um, you know, I really like, um, I really like talking to people and I would definitely love to like help other domestic violence survivors. Um, and just talk to them about their stories and hear them out. Um, you know, I, I love cats <laughs> and I actually started fostering some cats a couple months back. Um, they like little tiny, like baby kittens and I, you know, nursed them back to health and, uh, or not back to health, but I just, you know, nursed them and um, taught them how to be cats. And it's a lot of fun and I've done it plenty of times before. Um, it's not the first time I've done this. And so, um, you know, just taking care of something is, it's really rewarding, especially an animal that's not going to, um, take advantage of you. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. An animal is not, an animal is not going to take advantage of you. I'm listening to you and I, in, you know, I'm not a professional at all, but in my opinion, Mm -hmm. I mean, you should be working with people. I mean, the, your ability to empathize with people of, of all different, uh, you know, mental abilities and uh, no matter how they act towards you, you sound like you're calm. Um, yeah, all, you know, I all, had to be. Yeah, like all different types, uh, you know, whatever you choose, what type of uh, background you want to go into. If it's an addiction type uh, counseling or... Uh, regular counseling or domestic violence. I mean, you sound like you'd be really excellent at whatever you do in, in that capacity because it's something that um, it comes seems like it comes natural to you, and that you have a genuine interest in um, people. Yeah, definitely. I'm very interested in people's stories. I mean, I've um, I've taken lots of uh, writing workshop classes um, in the past, just in college, and. Um, you know, just writing stories. Um, and I, I, I do pull a lot from real life, like, um, you know, just things that people tell me about themselves. And I, I started creating characters a lot. I would do a lot of like online role play and it was, um, you know, just kind of like a partner based thing. And okay, I would hold on, hold on one second. You have to just explain this to me and everyone else out there okay. who doesn't know <laughs> online role play. Go like, okay, tell me. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. This conversation um, okay. has gone in a way that I did not imagine that at one point we're going to be talking about online role play. I have to know everything. <laughs> okay. I know. No. And see, I'm the same way. So I get it. Um, 
Yeah, so online role play. So it um, it's usually foreign based websites like um, JCI Inc. or JCINK. Um, and like I think the other one was like Envision. There was Pro Boards for a while. And um, I started doing this when I was 13 um, because I was totally emo. And I was a big My Chemical Romance fan. And so. <laughs> Gerard <laughs> I mean, Way. I have to bring this up. So, oh, do, so yeah. do you watch The Umbrella Academy? You know, I haven't actually. Oh, because he, he wrote the comic. I, I, I'm, I'm such a nerd. I have like a signed copy of the comic. Like, <laughs> do you know what? I do I'm too. A, yeah. Oh my God, but I'm not a My Chemical cool. Romance fan. I'm actually just a comic book fan. And I did, oh. he's not the one that was the one that uh, autographed it for me. It was the other person that wrote it with him, I think, who did the drawings. Yeah, yeah. He's oh a Brazilian guy, so cool, I think. Though. I'm sorry? I think he's a Brazilian guy, the guy that did the drawings for him. Oh, yes. I, yeah, I think it's like something with his name's like Gabriel or Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, or something. yeah it's Gabriel something. Oh, that's so cool. Anyway, for everyone else out there, I hope you enjoy his nerding out right now. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I love it. Um, Keep on going. Yes. Yeah. So um, I had a friend that introduced it to me because I had a lot of online friends and just being on the Internet at 13. This is 2007, you know, and um, I got really into it because I could create like countless characters and do you know, have so many different personas and, um, and I stopped for a while. Um, but yeah. And then I picked it up again and it changed over the time, but you basically just create a bunch of characters and you meet other people um, on the internet and you, you know, talk about plot lines and, um, like the best way that I can explain it to somebody is kind of how Grey's Anatomy works. Like, that if that makes sense like it's there's lots of characters that come in and out there's such like dramatic storylines that just get thrown out of nowhere but it's fun and it's a great way to like just disconnect from myself but also still engage with the real world because every character that I've ever created has been somebody that I know um, their stories are usually something I'm kind of familiar with um, if I if not I google it um, and I learn about different things. And so it's, um, yeah, why was, why was I talking about this? I don't, <laughs> I was about to say, how did we get, how did, how did we get onto the role play to begin with? I completely oh, forgot. Gosh. I'll only yeah. remember when oh I, gosh. when I listen to this podcast, uh, before I know, when right? I do editing of some sort, uh, I'll, I'll be like, ah, oh, that's what we were talking about. But everyone else who's probably, yeah. probably lost track too. But, um, oh my gosh. Anyway, that's role play. Let's get back to uh, your story and your narcissism. Okay. Where are, where are you and what's happening next? Well, um, like I said, I'm selling the house. or My grandpa, he's selling his house. Um, so we're, I'm trying to figure out what my next move is, um, you know, in regards to my living situation. Um, so, you know, I really do want to kind of branch out and just finally do things on my own. Um, you know, not have to rely on my grandpa, my, you know, my grandpa, my mom, um, you know, cause I can, I've been able to take care of myself. It's, um, it's mostly that they, they ask or they kind of give me things here and then I don't really ask for it. And then I end up feeling bad about it. Like I did, like, like I'm forever indebted to them. Um, and so I just want to get to a point in my life where I don't have to do that, where I can like 
sustain myself financially. Like I'm really working towards that. So, um, yeah, Th- things are just I'm being held that. over your head, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, just like, oh, see if I help you, you know, it's always like a guilt trip like that. And I'm like, ah, like, I'm tired of feeling guilt. Like it's a big, a big emotion that I've always felt just guilt. Like, you know, in my relationship with both of those other people, like, you know, um, with Andy and William, it was guilt. Like I felt guilty. Like I did something bad. And I was like, this isn't like, how is this normal? Like, you know, my roommate doesn't make me feel bad about myself. Like, and even when we do have a disagreement, like, we can like be civil about it and it just we have a talk and it lasts 15 minutes it's not several hours um you know so it's like I'm like why am I guilty why do I feel guilty what did I do so I always feel like you know I just I'm ready to not feel bad anymore um and I'm working on like you know letting it go and telling myself like you're okay you know, they they just want to be angry, you know, and they're going to treat you badly for it. Uh, I have a question about your roommate, um, who we, we, yeah. will, we will call Barry. We can call him um, Barry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, Barry, has Barry helped you be a better communicator? Because Barry is a good oh, communicator. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, um, he's very relaxed. He's very, like, quiet. Um we kind of have like a similar upbringing in that we were both only children. Um, so, you know, we can be very quiet <laughs> at times. Um, and so we get along really well. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, <laughs> uh, we were talking about Barry, who is your wonderful roommate who has helped you. I assume at one point you probably were you at one point, were you a bad communicator and help it's very helped you become a better communicator. Um, honestly, like I, I didn't like the way that my mom communicated things with me. And I, when we first moved in with each other, um, I just, I knew how I could possibly, how my, how my, how I could be. And I didn't want to be mean. I didn't want to be a horrible person to him because my mom would do things like put the dishes in my room if I didn't clean them or you know, she would, she was just passive aggressive and I didn't want to do, do things like that to him. And so I, it wasn't necessarily like I had to learn to communicate better. I just said, I'm going to make this conscious decision that I'm going to be a decent human being, you know, for this person, just for the sake of communicating. And so, um, you know, we've definitely had our hiccups. They always say, you know, the first year is always hardest. So, you know, just kind of learning certain things about each other. But um, I, when I would feel myself getting really like worked up or really angry, um, I and like thoughts like my what my mom would say in these situations would run through my head, and I'd be like, no, 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 I can, I'm, I cannot like do that, or I cannot, you know, outwardly react like that. And um, I always tell people when I talk about like um, feelings, it's that you. You should never, you're entitled to feel what you feel. It's what you do with it out in the world that says a lot more. So it's okay to be mad and it's okay to be, you know, feel, you know, feel like you want to do something petty, but you don't act on those feelings. And, um, you know, so I, I just kind of always try to remember that. And so, um, you know, and like I said, he's just easy to talk to, um, and he listens. He's a really good listener. 
that's just what it is. She's a really good listener. It's, um, she grew up with a mom who kind of put all her needs on him. Um, and so I think that that's why we kind of understand each other really well, too, because my mom put all her needs on me. It was like, I, and, and her sister, like her sister and her were like, I was like, I just listened to them all the time, like cry about men or cry about like work or, you know, like I became like almost a friend to them. Um, not necessarily like their niece or their daughter. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we get each other, we get each other there. And he was, he was really the, like, I think you asked me earlier what was the moment where I was like, I have to get out of this relationship. And it was when um, Barry and I, when you said, when you get back after, uh, sorry, just trying to like put this all together. So um, after that argument that um, I had with William about Barry, um, you know, why don't you talk to me like that? Uh, I came home, sat down with Barry and I was like, uh, you know, like what, what else did you want to talk about? And he says, you know, I'm really concerned about this situation. Like, are you okay? Like, he's like, I, you know, I want you to get out of this before something really traumatizing could happen. And it was, it was so validating to hear that from him because I was like, he sees it. He sees what I'm seeing. Like, oh my God, finally, like, I'm not, I'm not alone, you know? And, um, I was like, you're right. I'm like, I, I do. And I'm like, I need a plan. Like, and that was like when I really started planning, like I moved into what they call the contemplation stage. Um, and I was like, okay, I need to protect myself. Like, how am I going to break up with this person safely? Um, you know, because when I would talk to my mom about this, she would, she'd be like, well, are you, are you sure? Like, are you sure that you're not just perceiving some danger that isn't there? And I'm like, no, I am afraid. And I also want all you women out there to know that if you feel like you are in like physical danger and you're unsafe, get out as soon as you possibly can. You need to save, like you need to stay safe um, because we naturally have an intuition to tell us that, you know, we need to leave and we need to listen to that. Um, and so it was, it was bad advice on my mom's part, like, you know, and so it was, it was just so finally validating to hear somebody say, you need to get out. You need to stay safe. He was, you know, the first person that I told about the door, um, you know, he's, he pretty, I mean, and he would be experienced too. He would hear me on the phone arguing with him. Like he, you know, heard me crying so many times. He's like, you just sounded so sad. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he was like, you just sound so sad. Like, I'm like, damn it. He's right. Like, Ah, he knows me too well. Like, I feel so exposed, like, when we talk. I'm like, ah, you're not supposed to see me like that. Ugh. But also, damn it. He's right. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it, it's it's validating. But it's also painful. And, um, you know, we, um, the other day, I, I had a really, or like, last week was kind of a rough week for me um, because, I just kept thinking about these like things that happened with William and um, I remembered like just thinking about how I would wake up in the morning and um, I just knew it was going to be a bad day and I could feel like this heavy presence and this like just, and just this dread, this just horrible, horrible dread. And I was, I was making a peanut butter, like slice of toast. It wasn't even toasted. It was just 
bread with peanut butter. And I was like trying to like finish it. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't have to feel that anymore. And I was just like, I was in so much pain in that moment, but I was just like, what do I do? How do I get this out? And I'm just like, and I was like, I'm just going to emotionally vomit at, vomit it out. Like that's all I have to do right now. And I just, just made all these like weird noises. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, it's something that I've kind of like learned, um, over the years of being really good friends with Barry that like, we just do that when we're just like so overwhelmed with what's going on in the moment. We're like, "Ah!" and, um, I, I started doing air kicks around the house. Like when I get really mad, cause you know, realtors are annoying and they like to schedule things. Um, and showings when you're like trying to relax and it happened this weekend where it was just like all these like scheduling, like showings. And we were just frustrated. We're like, ah! And I was just running around the house, just air kicks. And, like, Barry was doing, like, weird hand motions. And then we went and got pizza. And we came home, and it was fine. Like, we were feeling a little bit better. I just wrote down something on my piece of paper, a T-shirt that we need to make. And it's and this oh. is what the T-shirt's going to say. Everyone needs a Barry in their life. <laughs> yes, everybody does need a Barry. Uh, he definitely has set the basis for like, you know, what I look for in any type of relationship does not matter. That can be familial, romantic, or, um, you know, a friendship. Like it just, it, it sets a basis for me. I'm like, wait a minute. This is, no, they don't meet the standard. I'm giving it, Barry, whenever you listen to this, I'm giving a big shout out to Barry. Uh, I'm hopefully he'll find it funny that we called him Barry. Yeah. Uh, I hope so too. You know, actually, he loves the show Barry. I think he can hear me through the wall right now. I'm pretty sure, but um, he loves Barry, so he's going to absolutely love the fact that we call him Barry. Okay, um, I love Bill Hader. He, yeah, yeah, and he's he's just um, and, and a big part of I think what's been super healing for both of us is that um, while we were while I was in this relationship, he was actually in a very tumultuous um, relationship with somebody who might also be a cluster B personality. Um, she just completely, she was very, um, jealous, did a lot of similar things, um, you know, not to the same degree that my, my boyfriend did, but, um, she definitely would triangulate. She would, um, she, there was a lot of love bombing going on and, um, you know, so we broke up with both of them within about a month of each other, um, and so, you know, we talk about, like, the things that happened and, you know, what was so just, like, what the hell. Um, you know, so not only, you know, just us getting along really well, but also, like, we kind of just have a lot of similar, like, parallel experiences. Um, just, at, just We just happen to be going through something similar at the same time, like, all the time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like, it was it was good to know, like, I really like wasn't alone in that feeling like, wow, he's going through this. And I mean, I have another really good friend, someone I was 13 and it, he had just broken up with his boyfriend. Um, you know, like at the time after a long, just, you know, year and a half of a lot of gaslighting and emotional manipulation and, um, control. Um, you know, I, it was, it's really nice to be able to like talk about this with both of them. And like, they understand it. Like 
they they know what I'm talking about. They know the feeling. I like remember my um, my friend. We'll, we'll call him um, Jesse. Uh, Jesse. Um, before he broke up with his boyfriend, he was like saying how he would always just like feel so just overwhelmed after um, he left. And um, he's like, and I just like need to call him or talk to him or something. He's like, but also I was just so like I was hurting so bad. And I was like, I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm like, um, did you have that feeling after you got into an argument, like a really bad argument, and you like felt so down about yourself? And you were like, I need something to make me feel better. And you felt like the only thing that was going to make you feel better was that exact person that made you feel that way. And he's like, <laughs> he literally screamed in that moment because I hit it on the nail for him. And it, I mean, that's, that's how trauma bonding works. It's just, that's how you connect is you just hit somebody with a horrible, horrible argument, love bomb them, reel them back in. And, you know, it, it's, it's painful. I mean, it was so painful. And, you know, I remember, like, you know, thinking about it, thinking about it and asking Jesse these questions and, like, just feeling the same thing again. And, you know, just in that moment, we both, we both knew what that felt like. And it was, um, it was freeing. It was um, healing. Yeah, like, uh, when, I, when I started the show, I didn't realize... Um what I was actually doing in the sense where people share their stories, then when, that when people listen, you know, it's nice to hear everyone that has gone through the same mm-hmm. thing. Cause people who haven't had it happen to them don't really fully understand, um, the right. emotional damage it does. And just to hear someone that had the exact same thing happen, it makes you feel a lot better because you don't feel as probably dumb uh, or like feel mm-hmm. the shame or the guilt because you're like, oh, you know, just, you know, we've been conned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I feel so tricked. I mean, even um, Jesse was actually the first person that um, said this that made it click for me was like he felt so conned, so, um, you know, so tricked. Like he's like, I feel fooled. He's like, he made me booby the fool, you know, and I was just like, that is so true. Like I feel... I feel absolutely tricked because back to what I was saying earlier, like when I didn't know what I wanted out of this, like I was just interested in getting to know this person on a different level. And then all of a sudden I'm talking marriage with this person and children. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's so many things that I still want to do with my life. Like I don't even know if children are in my equation. And, um, I, I told him that, you know, I'm like, I don't think I really have the emotional, um, capacity, carrying capacity, or, um, you know, I don't think I can do the emotional labor for more than one child. I'm like, I want to be able to give my all, you know, and be able to be, and you know, to give my attention in the right amount. And he's like, no, we're having more than that. And I was like, why do you get to decide that? Like, why do you get some claim on my body, you know? And, um, oh, it was, you know, frustrating. It was just like, no, (laughs) like, this is not what I signed up for. I just wanted to enjoy like, um, our relationship. I just wanted to enjoy you, like getting to know you and I'm not enjoying this. And these are the types of people that we date. And before we close down our conversation here, what is the wisdom that you would like to impart on, others who might be going through the same thing well mostly this is for the ladies listen to your intuition believe it 
believe what you're feeling. Um, you know, don't, you know, listen to the red flags, educate yourself on like what those red flags are and what they look like, because they're not how you think they do. If it's starting to feel like, you know, it's like a discovery, like ID situation, get out. Um, you know, I, I think just kind of learning to, to not engage, um, with these kinds of people in the sense, like when, when you find yourself in a situation with them, like you don't want to give them too much. You just, you give them as little as possible. You, you, you call gray rocket and, um, you know, that way they can't, you can't give them any fuel. You can't give them fuel. Um, but don't think that it's your fault either. Not your fault. That's a big one. It's not your fault. All right. So, uh, Sonny, I want to thank you for being yeah. on the show. Um, it was a pleasure, uh, to Barry, big shout out to Barry. Love you. Um, yeah, love you, <laughs> uh, Jesse, who I was just introduced, uh, three minutes ago in this conversation. I like Jesse too. Yeah. And, yeah. um, maybe one day I'll have Barry on the show. Yeah. I mean, if he, I definitely suggested your podcast to him. Um, I was like, he's, I was like, it's really cool. Like you should listen to it. It's really healing. Um, tell him, like, tell him to hit subscribe then? and then to give me a five-star rating on iTunes. <laughs> okay, I will definitely. I think he would listen when he found out that you were Canadian. He's like, wait, is there like a super Canadian accent? I was like, oh, yeah, there's definitely times where I'm like, that is not my accent. <laughs> no, sorry, say that again. And, oh, it's just like, it's not my accent. Like, it does not sound like me. I don't pronounce, like, certain words like that. So it's definitely, like, interesting. Like, when I listen to you talk, I'm like, wow, wow, I totally learned a way different pronunciation. Oh, oh uh, <laughs> I, do I have a Canadian accent? Oh, definitely. Oh, I do. Do so, I have a Californian accent? I don't know what that would even sound like. Very strong now. See, <laughs> I, I, I stress my A's, so sometimes people think that I am not Canadian and that I might be Floridian. Oh, oh, oh interesting. Yeah, it's very confusing for some people. Because I'm from Toronto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't really consider that Canada because it was a big city. Everyone else, mm. uh, like everywhere else in Canada to me is Canada. If you're small town yeah, Canada, I've been to, you know, that's where you get yeah. the real accents. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. I don't hear it all that much, but there's like certain words. Like, um, we, I think a lot of people out here learn how to say process. Like we say process, but I hear you say process. I hear a lot of people, different people say process. I'm like, whoa, that's uh, I, say, I say process. I, I don't say process. I say process. Oh, what? I, I'm a processor. I thought I heard you. Oh, wow. I feel crazy now. <laughs> um, yeah. And I say about, I don't know if that's correct. That's the one everyone gets. Oh no. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely don't hear it in the, in everyone's classic stereotype uh, words about. Anyway, let's, we both have to go to bed. <laughs> well, actually I have to go to bed. Yeah. You have like probably a good solid three hours before you have to go to bed. You might watch stranger things or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, but, uh, maybe I'll start Umbrella Academy. Uh, there, there, there you go. So uh, thank you for uh, being a part of this once again, Sonny. And for everyone else listening, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And you'll probably hear me give me one last message on the way out. So uh, have a great night, everyone. And that was my conversation with Sonny. It was a winding road with some surprises along the way. And for everyone out there who is 
dealing with domestic abuse and you need help right away, please contact these phone numbers, depending on what country you're in. If you're in the United States, 1-800-799-7233 is the domestic violence or abuse hotline. In Australia, it is 1-800-RESPECT. That is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. In England, it is 0808-2000-247. And sadly, in Canada, I found out, my home country, there isn't one. And I was shocked and it was disgusted. You can, uh, whatever province you're in, you can call 211 and from there they'll, uh, it's like a social services hotline and they'll connect you eventually to uh, a phone number that you need to get, but we don't have one. And I was in shock. So shame on Canada in, in a huge, huge, huge way. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll do one of those change.org petitions because I, I can't believe this, this is even a thing. So uh, besides that, I just want to thank Sunny once again for being part of the show. And before I leave, just a reminder to visit our Reddit page if you want to discuss today's episode. Go to reddit.com and look up the subreddit Narcissist Apocalypse with a capital N on the narcissist and a capital A on the apocalypse. Also, once again, if you want to be on the show, you can always reach out at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Just drop us a line. And if you want to read a letter to your narcissist for our Letter to a Narcissist show, we have a voicemail recorder on our website to record. Go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page, and it's always floating around and hard to miss. We're accumulating these letters for our show for volume two. And now that's it. The nap is over. And until next episode, take care of yourselves. <laughs>